Welcome to the Gospel Gazing Podcast. We are excited yet again to talk about how the gospel of grace applies to all of life. My name is Wilson Van Hooser. I'm the pastor at Grace Presbyterian Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And this week we're talking about how the gospel of grace applies to planting churches. And we got Chris Taylor, Reverend over at Christ Church Bentonville, uh, also in our presbytery. Uh, we we currently have uh, one of his sons and their family in our church, but he will soon poach them from us. Yes, I guess we that's, are. What, that's what happens with family. We are not bitter <laughs> at all. Uh, so, but anyway, we're, we're excited. Pumped. Yeah, Chris, I'm glad to have you on here, man. That's good to be here. Thank you, Wilson. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to them moving back this way. So it's been uh, they left here in the fall of fifteen. So yeah, we're, we're glad they're coming back. Yeah. So um, well, may, maybe we can continue to find other fun ways to poach people from each other. So uh, yeah. Uh, well, Chris, uh, a lot of our people are familiar with who you are. You've come and preached uh, to our people, but maybe some people might not be familiar. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, your marriage, family, and a little bit of uh, getting into your ministry history. Sure. I am just turned 57 years old last week. Man. And uh, been married for almost 30 years, 33 years. It'll be 33 years in May. That's awesome. We have three adult children. They're all married. Uh, as you mentioned, Nathan and Hannah are in uh, your church there in Stillwater. They have little boy Jude and one on the way due in March. Yeah. Our oldest, Caleb, and his wife, Audrey, they've also been married six and a half years, and they have two little ones, Eloise and Theo. Then they live here in um, Northwest Arkansas with us. And then our youngest, Anna Kate, is married to Levi, and they are in Ann Arbor for the time being. They're heading to Washington in May. And she's due in March as well. So we'll have five grandkids by the end Ma'am. of March. Um, they're all in Presbyterian churches. Praise the Lord. Love uh, it. Caleb, Caleb and Audrey are here with us at Christ Church. Of course, Nathan and Anna are there with you. And, uh, Anna and Levi are in Redeemer in Ann Arbor. Awesome. So, is that where yeah. uh, uh, our, our uh, beloved RUF campus minister, Robert Knuth, is? It was where Robert was. Yeah, uh, yeah. Robert went to the new church that's there, I think, meeting downtown. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so, so there's another church plant there. Yes. And yeah, so, that's awesome. And I, I, can't, I can't remember Tall Oaks or something yeah. something along yeah. those lines. But, so hey, look. Robert is why. They're getting more creative than our church's names. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We we just we like the tried and true names, man. Yes, that is exactly right. Yeah. Hey, I've been in ministry since uh, 1989. Yes. Uh, wide variety of uh, pastoral positions in nine different churches, as well as two Christian schools, and so I've taught, coached. Uh, been a secondary principal. I've been an athletic director and a guidance counselor, and then I've been a youth pastor and executive pastor, and uh, I've run the gambit in the PCA. I've been an ass- <laughs> assistant, assistant, associate, and senior. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's been a great thirty four years. That's amazing. Ordained in ninety seven in the SBC, and then was ordained in the PCA in two thousand fifteen. So yeah, that's. That's uh, in a nutshell, man. Yeah. So you're you're at Christ Church Bentonville, which you right. planted, uh, and we'll right. get into that more. Where are you coming from? What what was the previous uh, position? So um, prior to 2015, uh, we had planted a, a Reformed Baptist Church here in Northwest Arkansas. We we're there for four or five years, and then I went and uh, got involved at the request of the headmaster at our local Christian school where my wife was teaching and my kids were attending to be involved there. So I spent four years uh, there. And then um, during that time, I was teaching systematic theology, and we had a a Presbyterian kid in my class. And as I was preparing for him in class, I realized I was Presbyterian. Oh, uh, that's amazing. I went, uh, had met Chris Miller, the pastor there at Trinity Grace, uh, through a, um, a pastor's meeting uh, gathering that uh, actually I had put together. 
And uh, so in 2013, during that time, I uh, showed up, we showed up at Trinity Grace, and Miller saw me across the room and said, and, I, and Wendy still remembers it to this day as well. He, he looked at us and he says, if you're here why I think you're here, uh, we need to talk. So That's amazing. Yeah, we had lunch that following Friday, and um, we had to do some, it was a Baptist school, so we couldn't teach there and be Presbyterian. So we spent about 18 months transitioning out, and um, we went to Trinity, Trinity Grace um, and was ordained, and then they hired me as an assistant, as an associate, that called me as, hired me as an assistant, called me as an associate, and then um, and that with the goal all along being yeah. church planning, because I had had, uh, I had planted, helped plant a church back in the mid nineties, uh, had, uh, been a part of a revitalization in Colorado in the early two thousands. And so that's right. That's right. You did mention that. Yeah. So it was all it, it, the goal originally coming on at Trinity grace was because they've, they've got church planning in their DNA. Um, yeah. Miller's been a part of most of the church plants in this area. So yeah, yeah, we, we were going to be, we were going to come off that tree. So man. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So, uh, okay. So you're teaching systematic theology and, uh, you know, are you just, you're, are you a particular systematic theology or are you did y'all hitting all the topics and it was just as you were. So I got permission. So the pastor at the church at the time, he, uh, was not, um, was not Calvinistic, but he was friendly. Yeah, and uh, I got permission to use Grudem's systematic at the time. Yeah, but and what we were doing, what I was doing was we had a, I had twelve to fifteen denominations in class, and so yeah. I promised, I promised him that I would simply present the orthodox. Yeah, um, yeah, you know. Uh, topics, positions, what, what have you. And, and we would go through those. And my goal was to help the kids understand, you know, what was orthodox and historical and then um, help them to identify what their church believed. Mm. And, um, and so I wanted to be able to, so I was doing all kinds of study trying from the different denominational perspectives so that I could answer some of their questions, talk about the differences. And we just, we had one PCA kid, Man. class. And, um, so I had, I had come to, um, you know, through the typical gateway of Piper and MacArthur and those guys, yeah. nineties, but, um, over the course of the two thousands and then, uh, moving into 2010 and beyond, uh, started becoming more covenantal and understanding that and yeah. preparing for preparing for him is what put me over the edge. Yeah. So, well, what, what were, what were some of those Presbyterian particular books, anything, or was it merely just in like your own reflections and wrestlings or, or were, were there any helpful well, Presbyterian yeah, I resources? Mean, well, um, I, of course I went to Burkhoff and uh, yeah. Bovink, Bovink to, to, you know, in that systematic, you know, area. And then yeah. I had been listening, I had been listening to white horse in for, Oh yeah, for a, yeah. A long time. Yeah, and uh, found myself more identifying with Horton than the other guys. Horton, yeah, R- yeah. Barger than I was Ken Jones. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, that's, that's awesome. That's, yeah, that man. Process. So when now this gets earlier than being in the PCA, but when did you first begin to think about church planting? Well, that that would have been in 1997. Um, I had come uh, from the Metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth area, back home to where my wife uh, was born and raised in Fort Smith, and we uh, were hired there as the youth pastor. And within about nine months, the pastor left to go uh, start a a new church. And so we remained for another uh, year or so, no, not even a year, no, about nine months or so. And then we left that church to go help him. So it had started, had been going about six wow. months. Yeah. So from 97 to 2000, we were a part of that church plant. And then uh, from 2000, 2005, we went out to Colorado and it was a revitalization. Yeah. It yeah. felt very much like a, a church plant being in Colorado. Um, yeah. And so, and then coming back, 
uh, we had a not so good experience at a, a Southern Baptist church here in Northwest Arkansas. And um, within about six months, they asked me to leave and mm. um, there's a whole story to that, but yeah, but there were, there were a few families there that had joined while I was there that, and we started talking about planning a reformed Baptist church, man. So it was really by circumstance that yeah. got that, got that rolling. Um, and then of course, when we came to uh, Trinity grace, having had that experience and then through the course of our conversations, it was, um, knowing that that was something that they were wanting to do yeah. Uh, over the, over the course of that time, Miller and I hit it off and yeah. I, uh, to be honest with you, it, in the middle of that, it was, Hey, you know, we really like working together. This could work out really well. So maybe yeah. we ought to find somebody else to come and help plan. <laughs> and, um, but what we did is he and I both began to pray about that and, mm. um, whether he should stay or go, whether I should stay or go, whether we should find a third person and both stay. And so my wife and I submitted our names and we, you know, we said, we, we're willing to go. We, we love it here and we're willing to stay. We're willing to go, but we're going to trust the session, um, mm. you know, uh, for our call, you know, yeah. what, what is, what does the Lord want to do and, and what will he do through the session to determine what we're, what we're called to do. And they did that. They selected us to go. Well, I think what you just said there is something that is very, very forgotten today when we talk about calling, that it's not right. merely the internal call. It is also and equally important, the external call. Correct. Yeah, correct. We came to a point where we felt that, you know, we, we were we were called to do that, but we were going to we wanted that affirmation. You know, yeah, um, we had planted that Baptist church. Uh, based on circumstance and, you know, and the circumstances were negative. Um, yeah. We didn't have anybody. Uh, and to be honest with you, until I became Presbyterian, I had never had an affirmation of my call as a pastor. Even my ordination in the Southern Baptist Church was simply a, a dinner and a prayer. Um, yeah. When I, was, when I was ordained in the PCA and those hands were laid upon me, mm. first at the Presbytery, when I was affirmed and passed, um, and then at the at Trinity Grace, when the hands were laid upon me, at, you know, the commissioning, it was uh, that was the first time my call had ever been affirmed by the church, and I'll, yeah. I'll never forget that. So, yeah. So having that experience, then when we went to plant, we wanted that same thing. We wanted this wasn't just our idea. This wasn't just That's our so plan, good. or this wasn't just going to be exciting and fun and because I'm not entrepreneurial at all. Yeah. So this was a, this was a call, um, you know, a call of God, uh, through the church, uh, to plant a church. So yeah. now when y'all planted the church out of Trinity grace, did they just send you and your wife and family or what, how no. did that happen? <laughs> no. So, <laughs> Uh, they had so uh, a year a year or so before we got there in 2013 they had sent some families down to Fayetteville to plant Christ community uh, to help plant Christ community mm -hmm. it, it was it was not a Trinity grace plant but they sent some families down to be a part of it uh, so they had they had done that before and so uh, just based upon where we were in attendance uh, we were, we were approaching 300 and, yeah. um, and so they said, Hey, let's, where do we want to go? And looked at where the people were coming from and they were coming from Bentonville and Bella Vista. And, yeah. um, and so we announced in two, that fall of 2017 that the session had decided it was time to plant. And, um, and they announced me to be the planning pastor. And then we started and we, and basically just opened that up. You know who wants to go? Yeah, we going, yeah, we are going north into Bentonville because the goal for the churches up here is to to have a church in every one of the cities and along the the corridor. Yeah, and so Bentonville seemed to be that most natural uh, next step, and so uh, they actually sent us with seventy people. Yeah, that's and, amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, and, and that I mean that's a game changer. 
you know. Yes. So. I think we when we often and, and sometimes this does happen, but I think when people often think about planting a church, they only think about uh, a pastor and his family alone going. And yeah. and sometimes and that happens, but yeah, this is this a, tends to be a better model. Yeah, that right. That is a model. Uh you can parachute in, of course. Uh, you can do what we did, and well, I, I would say don't do what we did with the Baptist Church, and you know, just take ten yeah. disgruntled, ten disgruntled families. That's that was not. I mean, that church is still going, is is still going, but um, it just wasn't a way to start. Yeah, and so we had we had ten families uh, as a, as opposed to you know how we left uh, with Trinity Grace with yeah a significant number of families. Um, who all love Trinity Grace <laughs> and mm. uh, who were going, you know, because Bentonville needed a gospel yeah. preaching church, you know, needed a PCA church. So, yeah. Um, well, and, and it, it creates such good uh, brotherhood in, in the, you know, in the Presbyterian in the region between the churches, because, uh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, of course, I don't know this by experience, but, you know, it's like sending your kids off to college. Like there's a part of you that's going and, and your your heart goes with them. And, and yeah. that's actually really good for the health of the Presbyterian denomination. Yeah, we had we had a year. So we started talking about um, and preparing in the fall. And so there were several things that I that I was doing. Through. So my my responsibilities as associate pastor, my call changed to planning pastor. And so they were paying me to, to just get ready to plant. And so I was able to, we started having core group meetings and uh, you know, who, who was definitely going to go. Um, when we first started, it wasn't just automatically 70, but there, there were a handful of families that said yeah. immediately we're in, you know, we live downtown Bentonville. We live in Bella Vista. This is natural for us. We want to be a part of that. So we started meeting and then we started, uh, we had three worship services, uh, June, July, and August at the facility that we found that we're renting. So all of that was a part of that that build up and, and getting ready to go. And during that time, we were able to say our goodbyes. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was a healthy separation. And even after that year, it was like we're ready for them to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it was almost <laughs> like when you when you have teenagers. I mean, the whole yeah, goal yeah, yeah. is to send them out. And so yeah. there was that bittersweet moment of. You know, you drop. You mentioned dropping them off at college. You're dropping your kids off at college. There are the tears, but at the same time, this is what you've been preparing for. Yes. And the Lord prepares you for that. So those last couple of years of you know junior, senior year in high school, there's conflict that yeah hasn't been yeah. there before, and it's because they're becoming adults, and it's it's I think the Lord's way of of creating and and. Um, initiating that separation that needs to happen. Yeah. And so we started having that. It was very healthy. Um, and then even during that time, we were able, uh, that first year that we planted, we would go back and do something. So our women were still doing women's Bible study back there. Yeah. We were still yeah. doing the Wednesday night. So we weren't, we did nothing but offer a worship service. Yeah. And yeah. Maybe, maybe two or three small groups through, through the week, but we weren't trying to duplicate Trinity Grace. Um, yeah, still haven't. We still haven't duplicated. We haven't. Um, you know, they they uh, they reproduced us, but they didn't yeah. replicate us. We're we're uh, we are a different different church. Well, that is something that I think is often neglected today because it's so tempting in our in our age when we can hear you know whoever. I mean, this is the reason why we're doing this podcast. Uh, we can hear whatever preacher we want on the podcast, and it's easy to, you know, when we are we visit someone else's church, what can be tempting is to say, "Oh, let's just do exactly that thing and do it here." Right, right. But actually, that's not the most faithful thing to do because we're supposed to take the unchanging truth, but to apply it through the means of grace to those right. people. Um. Right. And this is this is what's different than just having like satellite campuses where you video a pastor in. Uh, right. Yeah, can you talk about that dynamic of, of you know about how this model of actually you know getting a church to plant a church and having them 
you know, obviously within a Presbyterian structure, but be independent on their own uh, and not just like a satellite campus. Can you talk about how that's yeah, a so, model? Yeah, it was great. So, um, like I said, we so we started in the fall of eighteen, and we were doing the worship service, but we were we were still connected through Bible studies and things, and then slowly but surely. We, we would start our own. So our, our women came and began their own Bible study. Our men started their uh, their own Bible study. Um, uh, two years in, we started Sunday school. You know, we didn't start Sunday school till the fall of 22. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just step by step, we weren't trying to be, Trinity Grace started in 2003. So they were a 15-year-old yeah. church. Yeah. So we, we didn't, we were very purposeful and not trying to plan a 15 year old church. That's good. And, yeah. Um, you know, and not, and then also not plant Trinity grace, you know, uh, though we, we, you know, we brought a lot of Trinity grace with us, but um, we, uh, because we also didn't want um, those who were going to come after uh, for there to be a feeling of being excluded mm. because they weren't a part of Trinity Grace. And yeah, so, that's good. That's a good point. Um, we weren't trying to anyway. So, um, yeah, we, we we just we were our own. You know, we were our own church, just like our yeah. our, our kids are going to take. They take our DNA with them, but they have their own personalities. They have their own. That's a great example. They have their own gifts. They have their, you know, their own direction. You know, none of my, neither of my boys uh, are in, you know, the pastorate. They, you know, the ones in, uh, well, they're just doing their own thing. Uh, but yet people say all the time, Hey, you know, Caleb's mannerisms or, or, you know, Nathan, this, they, they, we can tell they're, they're yours. Yeah. Um, but we're, they're definitely not, they're not identical yeah. to me in, in any way. So, yeah, yeah. Well, and so then, I think it's I think it's the same way with the church. You know, we, we yeah. brought DNA from Trinity Grace, but we have our own identity. We have our own gifts. We have those things that we're doing well, things that we're doing differently. And yeah, and, um, but we're still we're still indebted to them for everything. Um, so that DNA that that foundation. Um, the philosophy of ministry, we often call it. I mean, what what was y'all's philosophy of ministry that you uh that DNA that you brought over from Trinity Grace? We we inherited a simple grace, a simple means of grace ministry. Yeah. Can you explain so, what that means just to make sure uh everyone knows? Yeah. Uh, uh we have a responsibility. God has ordained the means by which He bestows His disposition of grace on His people, and that's through word and sacrament, <laughs> yeah, uh, prayer and prayer and fellowship. And so, that's what we do. Yeah. We um, we gather from the very beginning. You know, we're going to gather for worship. We're we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to administer the sacraments. We're going to exercise church discipline. We're going to pray and and fellowship as often as we can, uh, and we're not going to be programmatic. I grew up in a programmatic environment, yeah, and I I, I never want to go back to a programmatic environment. Yeah. I don't need we don't need programs to validate or justify our existence as a church. Yeah, um, our responsibility is to do what God's called us to do, and so mm. we're very simple in the things that we do. And when people come and ask, um, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Which we don't get an awful lot, but some people will. And we, well, that's just not what we're called to do. Yeah, um, yeah. We're called to to do these things and to do these things well. Mm. Um, and we have seen the benefits of that. I really believe that. How has that kept y'all from getting distracted with other things, especially the kind of the trending things of the day? Well, what's helpful is that a lot of people, so we, when we planted in 18, we particularized in two years. Man. Um, typically, or from what I could tell in the research that I did, that it's about five years. Yeah, yeah. Probably the outside, and and we mm. particularized in two years because we actually grew through COVID. That we, yeah yeah. Keep talking about that because I think this well, is important. yeah. So we grew through COVID, and what was happening is because we opened back and we did what everybody else did, and and I think it was wise at the time. 
because nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. So we we um, we stopped meeting together. We 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 went online for six weeks, and mm-hmm. then came to the conclusion that uh, through that, and once we got our got our bearings with the whole, mm-hmm. what all was going on, I said we have a responsibility to meet. And so we're going to start meeting. We were fortunate enough to be in a facility that uh, was way larger than what we needed. And so we could spread out and do some things like that. But so we opened up on mother's day of, of uh, 20 and uh, most churches around here had not reopened. Yeah. Yeah. So people were wanting to meet. And so people started to come because their friends, you know, our folks were telling them, hey, we're meeting. Yeah. And we were we were intense. We said, hey, just come. And then when your church opens back up, if you want to go back, yeah. that's fine. You know, we're that's fine. But what we found is that those families that came uh, stayed. And to a family, their comment was, we didn't realize that we weren't hearing the gospel. Mm. And so we came to understand it. So our philosophy of ministry being simple means of grace ministry and to, and to do what God has called us to do and to focus on that and to see the results of that kept us, you know, we didn't need to be trendy. Everybody else was being trendy before yeah, COVID yeah. and since. So there's nothing unique about being trendy. What's being yes. simple means of grace ministry is unique. And so yes. people began to come and 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 started to flourish and realize what they were missing. And so our philosophies, of course, with a church plant, we want to reach the lost. But what began to change is we began to understand that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we can, of course, we're gonna we try to reach the lost, but it is okay if we experience transfer growth, because we started realizing that that transfer growth was coming because. There were sheep. There were the Lord's sheep who were being malnourished, yeah. weren't being yeah. fed, and we have a, we had a responsibility to them as well. And so, yes. we went out pros- yeah. proselytizing and and taking people away from their churches, and we weren't even speaking negatively about other churches. We yeah. were simply doing what we had been called to do, and pe- the Lord was bringing people, and people were staying because they they themselves realized that. They were malnourished and and they had started to flourish while they were there and they didn't want to leave. Yeah. Well, and I remember, man, when was it you went on sabbatical and I came over and preached? Yeah, 2022. Uh, yeah, yeah. So 2022, like a year and a half ago. And 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 I remember coming over and, and you know, in, in every simple means of grace church, not just in our region, but anywhere across the world. Yeah, there are going to be the places where you'll go to and you're like, huh, you know, this is a little bit different. It's a little bit different. But when those basic elements are there, right, you sink right in. And I and I remember coming to y'all's service, and it was certainly one of the times where I felt like, yep, this is home. And it's just, you know, doing the things that God has explicitly told us to do and just trusting that He is going to bless that when we seek to do them faithfully. And clearly at y'all's church, I mean, if I can embarrass you and y'all's church for a little bit, yeah, I mean, I think it's very clear that he is blessing y'all's church through the means of grace. Yeah, the the testimony of our people, um, their love for the Lord, their love for each other. Um, But I think, you know, we're just doing... We're just doing those simple things. I, yeah. I can't explain it. It has nothing to do with, with me. It's the Lord's yeah. being faithful. Yeah. He has promised to, to minister to his people through those, th- through those means. And so it just makes sense that if you yeah. do those things, that he's going to do what he said he would do. Mm. And so that's, that's what we're resting in. Yeah. Well, and that, well, what were we texting the other day where uh, <laughs> we were we were joking about how like, yeah, poor us or poor, poor our people who have to listen to us every yeah, week. Right, uh, you know, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that it really is true. I mean, uh, yes, the Lord does call certain men to fill the office, but he can call anyone he wants. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've also realized we've, we have made, we have specifically focused so for, um, for our, uh, our elders, our session, we, from the very beginning, we set out to be a church that shepherds its people. And so 
good. What we've also what we've also learned is that good shepherding will make up for mediocre preaching. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so our people come, they hear the gospel. Yeah. But our yeah. but our people come and hear mediocre preaching, but our people the people come and they're loved and they're cared mm. for and they're shepherded and they also don't want to leave because they realize yes. that they were they were a part of something maybe larger. Yeah. And we're just a number and nobody knew they didn't even know their past. I've had so many people that have come to our house that have said, we've never been into the house of our, our pastor. We've never had oh, a yeah. pastor wish us happy birthday. We had one couple came over, we invited them over for dinner. And when they got here, they, the first thing the wife said was, are we in trouble? Yes. Oh, I was yeah. Like, yeah. Say, no, you're not in trouble. This is what should be happening. You're, yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. called hospitality. This is, you know, and we will hope that you would do the same thing with others in our church. You know, you're, yes. this won't be the only time you're invited over to someone's house. And, and so that shepherding has, uh, has, has been a big part of, of who we are too. And, and again, that was yeah. from the very beginning. And that was so. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I, I've had that happen a couple of times uh, in this position, but then also in RUF and in youth ministry. And yeah, and every single time it's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, we literally, I mean, I have a roster of our people on my desk and, yeah. uh, you know, we're, I'm highlighting the names of like, you know, who I've met with and who I need to right. meet with. And right. yes, I mean, yeah, there are the times where we got to have frank conversations. And, uh, right. but then there are other times where it's like, hey, I just want to get together and, you know, either, you know, shout out to Aaron Reeves, uh, watch Dallas Stars hockey with you. And you explain yeah. to me all the rules because I have no clue what I'm watching. Uh, yeah, right. You know, and, and because that, that is we want to be in the trenches with our people and in right. their lives, you know. Yeah, so Absolutely. And it, and it I mean, that's who we are. I mean, that's what we've been called to yeah. do. And that's that's the role. And um and so, you know, we, we train that way. And, and so they, they see it. And, and I think what's happened is because our, our session has done such a, a wonderful job of that. And we have such a wonderful group of deacons uh, who do the same. And so we have, we have a, a deacon and a session member and elder, and they have uh, what we call shepherding groups. And so we have our families divided up into those shepherding groups. And those guys do such a great job of making contact and, visiting with them. I'm not the only one doing that. And yeah, uh, but what we've seen is now other families, you know, all the family, they're all doing that together. And so mm. now the fellowship is not just quarterly at our fellowship meal, but you know, I hear every week of families that have been together and um, you know, I, I heard, I don't know if it was on your podcast or another one. Oh, I think it was yours talking about um, Sunday evening worship. Oh yeah. Yeah. Pe yeah. People not, people not wanting to leave. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We meet at night and I can certainly attest to the fact that people don't leave. We're done yeah. at 630 and it'll be eight o'clock before people are. Yes. But uh, before people are heading uh, completely yeah. gone. And, and it is. Uh, I mean, it's it's that lingering is a healthy sign. I mean, yeah. 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 So now, now, OK, so you're you're planting a church uh, as you're planting the church. I mean, uh, that you know, you and your your uh, core group of people. I mean, y'all are talking about what's going to be our bread and butter. Obviously, it's the means of grace. Um, but for a PCA minister, what role has the confession and the catechisms played in the means of grace and building up the church into maturity? Well. Um, having been, you know, in the Baptist world and, um, you know, saying that they had a confession, but not really yeah. holding to that confession, but I guess that's not fair. Um, <laughs> but, but having, you know, having those parameters is, has been helpful from the very beginning and, um, and being able to, to specifically to tell people as they come from a different background, um, you know, we, we can say from the get go, you know, here, here is what we believe. This is a faithful summary of what we believe, um, especially in this time when, you know, beliefs are all, you know, uh, most church plants, that's probably not fair, but a lot of church plants, you know, the individual pastor has, has yeah. created 12 pithy statements to put on their website to say what they believe. Mm. Um, and then when the next 
you know, fashionable thing comes along, that statement yep. of faith changes. And, yep. and so we've been able to say here, this is our faith, this is our faith statement. What we, what our, our leaders have, um, you know, they, they sub, submit them, subscribe to, yeah, uh, yeah. Those two is here. And so what you hear, what you see, uh, it all, we're not making this up as we go. This yes. Is, this is where this is where we're coming from and we don't expect you to to subscribe to all this in the in the very beginning but you need to understand that this is where we're coming from and where what what our foundation is and what we've subscribed to so you know because in northwest arkansas people hop around from church to church and it's pretty common to hop to a next church and then but unfortunately what people want to do is they land in a, in a new church but they try to make it become what the church that they left. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand that. Yeah. Um, and so this, this way it was like, you know, you, you can, you can fit here or you can find another church that you fit, but you're, nothing's going to change because we yeah. have said, this is who we are. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and then, and of course that comes out, you know, in our preaching and our teaching. And, and so we, we try to faithfully, um, you know, uh, quote from the confession or the, or the catechisms yeah. in our messages and sermons. And then Sunday school, that's all we're doing right now. We're going through the confession right. of faith with our adults. And then we're going through the shorter catechism with our children and yeah. youth. So yeah. um, that's, that's the fundamental component of our educational, uh, the education. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's worth uh, the reminder that the, while these are our, there are hermeneutic, it's what, elders and deacons take vows to uh, receive and adopt. And that means they're not merely guardrails or boundaries that we try to see how close to the edge we can get. Uh, they, they positively guide us. Uh, and we, yeah, even the dynamics of the heart, when we, you know, we're thinking about all these things, our worldview is through that theological grid and, yeah. and, uh, yeah, and it's and been I, helpful. It's been helpful not only the, uh, theologically, but uh, when we have our new members to get together over at our house, to be able, especially in our time and coming out of the uh, Mars Hill podcast and other things, and and people like you know how how does how do you govern yourselves? What a, yes, be able be able to talk about the the connectivity of of the church, but then also to show that part of our constitution is a book of church order. We're yes, literally yeah. not making this up as we go along. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if we, we we can say here here's what here's what we're doing and why we're doing it, mm -hmm. and um, and it's been very helpful to those who you know who are coming in from backgrounds that are that don't have anything like that. And it's just what, whatever the, yeah. the pastor or whatever, which is even worse, a group of elders, you know, yeah. elder led churches, people think are better than single pastor churches. But when you're not connected, mm. uh, I think, I think elder led churches are worse than single pastor churches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's no accountability and they're coming from that background yes. and we're able to say, look, we, here's how we do it. And I can show mm -hmm. you a page, page number and why, um, and then yeah. there's accountability if we don't do it well, right. Yes. Uh, or don't do it correctly. Then there, there is a means for you. Um, there's protection for you. Yeah. Um, well, and that leads to the next question, which is, which is a great segue is, uh, you know, in, in the context of what you're talking about, you know, it's not just a, you know, solo pastor led church where he just does whatever he wants. And it's not just an elder-led church where they just do whatever they want. Right. It, it's it's whoever the officers are are submitting to a constitution. Mm -hmm. Now, how when you were planting the church and y'all you know, Lord willing, you're trying to move to the point of particularization that happens within two years, and and basically so that people understand that. That means that uh, the church is then able to have its own session, uh, and uh, and I, I believe it's at least one deacon, uh, so a session and a diaconate. And um, so, what I mean, what role did the confession and catechisms play in raising up men who'd be qualified for the office? It, it's the focal point of our training that we decided to, how we would approach training. Um, and so 
through our training, we've we've broken things down. We're, we read a couple of other books, um, how Jesus ran the church, yeah, or how Jesus is that how right? Jesus runs the church runs runs the church, yep. uh, and then the book on shepherding. Uh, I yeah, Timothy Whitmer. Name. Yeah, and so we do those, but um, but the re- the reading that we do and the teaching that we do, uh, everything is is structured around. Um, both the, the the confession and both catechisms, and of course the Book of Church Orders. So they, yeah. uh, all of our leaders that eventually stand, have all read through yeah. all of that, and then we have uh, the the we've broken down our lessons um, to coincide with you know the confession itself. So we're we're doing a lot of confessional teaching yeah uh, through our training. Yeah. Know, and so, uh, but, but, but again, they're, they're hearing the, they're hearing the catechisms and the confession in our preaching as, as we, as we quote from them when we're, when we have the opportunity. And so it's not new to them. Yeah. And they've heard it. And um, so, and, yeah. and now yeah. with Sunday, now with Sunday school, those who are, you know, coming to Sunday school, they're hearing it and, and being taught yeah. um, from the confession. So, yeah. Uh, it's, no, that's it's awesome. Helpful. Now, if, you have someone come to the church and they're they're new to Presbyterianism and they they hear about this thing called the Westminster you know confession of faith and then the catechisms they begin to learn a little bit more and they're saying hey do you have any resources to study this more uh what have been some of the things that you have pointed people to if they want to study more of the confession of faith my first uh my first go-to is Van Dixhorn's book yeah, um, it's a great commentary, and then uh, we also recommend A. A. Hodge. Yeah, yeah, his his, his commentary, um, and then a third. I mean, we probably go to Sproul. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, true. Yeah, Truths we confess. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, but I, I start with Van Dixhorn. I just I, I think he he's very accessible. Um, yeah, he really is. And then, uh, of course, we'll recommend his wife's book on the the small group questions. I think there are four or five per chapter that she uses. So uh, that's kind of where we go. Um, uh, Yeah, Yeah. we give we give we give a copy of the confession to to all of our folks when they come to the new members. We call it distinctives. We we give those out, Um, and we also give out. lucas's book on on being presbyterian nice yeah so it's i mean it it, it does some historical things you know yeah confession um but he does conf- some confessional work in that as well so yeah so speaking of uh you mentioned chad's wife who had put together that uh study guide for the confession every pastor who is married uh, it means that uh, officially, unofficially, their wife is also entering the ministry. Um, you know, for, for for every elder and deacon, though their wife is not the one being called into that office, but yeah. it, it, in a very real way, she is uh, entering her own form of ministry. Right. So, so what role has your wife played? particularly in church planting? She has been um, vitally important in the ministry to our ladies um, from the very beginning, um, ministering to them, befriending them, um, you know, praying for them, coming alongside them, uh, doing the Titus, Titus two thing. Yeah. Um, she's been very, very important just for me uh, you know, support for me. And, and, uh, you know, of course, when we're being hospitable, you know, she's leading out on that. And so yeah. her, her gifts have been very important there as well. Uh, and she's currently, um, because of the last couple years through this, uh, she's, and she had thought about this, uh, even when, before we had gotten married, she was considering this, but she has just recently, uh, begun, I guess just recently begun to seek her uh, biblical counseling certification. Yes, love it. So yeah, so she's doing that as well because she's been able to do that, but would would like to have uh, that foundation and that you know, uh, yeah, the the educational side of that to to help her in what she has already been doing. 
Yeah. Um, with uh, with with me, so she's done that with several of the women in our church, but she also uh, she and I do marital. Uh, we do our premarital counseling together. Yeah, so yeah. So that that's been very important for us, and as we've been planting as well, we've had several couples married since we were here and been able to do that. So, yeah. If yeah. you were. She's also, by the way, she's also, by the way, doing a, she just recently, uh, not only does she have the, the women, the leadership and their women over, uh, she has other women over as well, but she's just recently started a, a monthly time of prayer. Um, oh, awesome. The women over and they, they just lay out prayer requests, either you know, using the, from the pastoral prayer or just a time for women to come when maybe they're not uh, sharing those prayer requests with, with us, um, yeah. pastoral prayer, but they've got other prayer, you know, needs. Oh, that's and, awesome. And yeah. so they gather it, they gather in our living room and, and spend an hour praying together oh, man. Uh, once a month. So Yeah. What is it that Spurgeon, the famous story about, uh, three guys, I think from America had, uh, wanted to come hear him preach and they showed up to the church and I think they'd gotten there early and they, 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 came up to the church and saw this guy kind of walking around and said, Hey, you know, we're, we're from out of town. We wanted to come here, Spurgeon preach. And the guy said, well, well, before the service starts, let me, let me go sh show you what heats up the church. And, uh, you know, these guys are like, this is weird. Uh, you know, so he walks down the basement and, and he, uh, you know, he opens up this room and there's just hundreds of people uh in there praying and uh the guy goes on to explain uh you know th yeah this is the boiler room where you know it heats up the life of the church well that strange man was charles spurgeon himself yeah. who was showing <laughs> those guys around and I, I think this is such a great uh illustration of yeah like even someone as greatly gifted as spurgeon was you know we're, we're nothing without our people's prayer um yeah, yeah. So yeah. now uh, you were at a church that prioritized planting churches. Y'all yep. uh, are a church plant, and I would imagine that's part of y'all's DNA as well, Lord willing. Yep. Why, why should churches prioritize planting churches? Well, I think you're going to get a different answer depending on who you, who you talk to, but you're talking to me. And so, uh, uh, my answer would be because I I think uh, not for for you know we, we want the gospel to to go forth and he does that you know through the planning of churches but uh, very practically I said there there's there are only so many people that we can faithfully minister to and shepherd yes and, and care for and know yes so uh, if if you're gonna do that then you're gonna have to plant. Uh, you can't, uh, I forget what the numbers used to be, but it used yeah. to say, you know, you need to add a staff member for every 250 and it's just, mm. that's too many. That's too many. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I think if, if we're going to know, know our people and, and adequately uh, shepherd them, then we have to, we want to do that. And so we want to also, I mean, I'm, I'm old school, so I like the thought of, you know, worshiping in my community. And not, yeah, you know, yeah. And there's, I mean, there are some people that have to drive, and I understand that. True. Yep. But I would rather, I would rather be in a local community, you know, where you know people, and you're going yeah. to church with the people that you go to school with, and and, and things like that. Um, and it also just it, uh, it it helps facilitate community and fellowship when when you're not gathered on the Lord's day. If, yeah. If you're a little bit closer, and so. If we can, and that's why our goal has been to be in. A, so we've got two churches in Fayetteville, one in Rogers, now one in Bentonville. Uh, there's one over in Siloam, and so mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Lord, Lord, Lord willing, we'd like to see you know East Rogers, Springdale, uh, out west toward the state line, in, in an area called um, well Centerton Gravit, and then up northeast into Pea Ridge. I mean, we would just. Yeah. Rather than having people from those communities having to drive 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, we, we would love to see, you know, PCA churches in those in yeah. those uh, in those towns and, and cities. Now, how when when y'all are thinking about and I, and I, I know there's a lot of circumstantial uh, uh, factors to it, 
But when you are thinking about where to plant, uh, obviously the biggest factor is, well, where are people coming from? Because if we have right. enough people to send out, you know, that's right. huge. But let's say, you know, you had three or four places that they're equal amount of, you know, three families are coming from each of these places. Uh, yeah. Which, which of those do you try to target first and why? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. That would be something that we'd have to sit down and, you know, the, as, as we're talking as a session and if we're going to, yeah. um, you know, if, so for us right now, the majority of people that are, that are coming or, or, um, we would target west of us, center to yeah, okay. That's that's where the majority of people come in. Uh, but we also have people in East Rogers, so mm. um, the question would be, um, you know, but but Trinity Grace is already in Rogers, and they're going to have more yes. people in Rogers. Yeah. So we would probably, you know, if Trinity Grace targets East Rogers, then our folks may decide. You know, and what we have to be, you know, our role in that would be willing. We have to be willing to, to, you know, yeah. encourage them to go to East Rogers since it's mm -hmm. in their backyard. Uh, Ted out in uh, Siloam mm -hmm. has people coming from Springdale. So does Chris and Trinity Grace. And so they would have to have those conversations about how many do you have? How many do you have? And we would, yeah, be, doing that yeah. to, we would be doing that together. We would be talking to Ted. Do you have anybody coming from? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, driving down instead of west or coming into town to us, they're going south to they're equidistant to Siloam. Yeah. So if he's got those, then we would be, you know, so we're going to be working together and then we would have to have those conversations of where do we think. Yeah. I know uh, Trinity Grace has, has talked for a long time about doing something in East Rogers and involving it um, and that being a bilingual yeah, um, having a, a Hispanic presence, and so um, you know it, it would depend, and it would also depend upon you know, do you have someone? Are yeah, you who's someone up? Who's yeah, gonna, who's going to yeah. be the planning pastor? Yes, um, that really that's a key um, ingredient. Yeah, like you said, we're not going to do the video thing. Uh, yeah. Nobody wants yeah. to see this. This no, no, uh, I'd say, I'd like, like, on a screen. I, I don't know if I would turn on YouTube to listen to myself preach. Uh, so, uh, no, I hate lick, man. Yeah. 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 That's funny. Um, okay. Well, okay. But what do you do as a, as a pastor of a church? How do you make sure you keep, uh, church planting before your people? Uh, how, how do you, Make sure uh, you continue to stress to the people, hey, Lord willing, as we grow, we want to be a church that plants churches. How do you instill that culture in the church? Doing just what you're saying. Um, you know, it's a part of the pastoral prayer. You know, we pray for our own facility, and we pray for our own facility because we would like to eventually plant. Now, we're in a facility that we, we could grow large enough to plant out of the building that we're in, but we'd like to have our own building. But it's it's you know it, it's a, a prayer request. Um, it's something they hear us praying about. It's something that mm -hmm. we mentioned. We we have our annual con congregational meeting this week, and it'll be you know we'll we'll mention that you know Lord willing and just the way you said it, Lord willing, this is still a goal you know or or when we're talking to families that are coming from the west. Uh, especially if they're visiting, you know, yeah. we'll even tell them in our distinctives group, you know, the goal, Lord willing, is that eventually that there will be a church where you are. That's awesome. Um, for now, you know, we're, we're coming, you're, you're driving in, but eventually you'll, you'll be out there. Um, and so that it's, it's really, it's very simple. Again, simple. We just, we just keep talking about it. We don't, yeah. uh, uh, we make sure everyone, knows we're not, we're not trying to be and grow into some big mega church. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our goal, well, goal is to plant. Let me ask you this. Uh, I feel like one of the things I've seen over the years is how as cities have gotten so big and expensive, people are starting to kind of move out of some of these bigger cities. It, it seems like people are wanting to actually find genuine community so what is it about, uh, you know, sub 500 or even sub 250 member churches uh, that what are you seeing that people are attracted to whenever it's a solid biblical church? Well, 
for a long time, you know, people were you know going to the mega churches because they could they could hide and not be known. Mm. But yeah. The reality is, I think people started realize they do want to be known. Yeah. They, they they want to have those relationships, and when they actually are introduced to those relationships, um, they they realize what they've been missing, and mm. so you know when we're when we're in the, in that smaller congregation you know you're you're going to show up and it's it's the whole you know cheers thing you know everybody's going to know yes. your name when you walk in yeah so good you want to be where everybody knows your name so you come in and people know who you are and then um and being in that community i mean we've been in a smaller community in colorado and it i just loved going into the coffee shop mm. and hey chris or hey you know um uh, you know um uh, I had, I th- I'll probably, probably shouldn't say this on your podcast, but uh, we had a, an old guy that wasn't a part of our church in Colorado, and uh, he would come walking down the street and see me uh, at the church or in the driveway, and he goes, oh, well, look, it's the old damn pastor. <laughs> and, uh, and I I loved that. You yeah, know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved yeah. having those relationships. And so, yeah. And I think everybody does. And so, mm. I mean, they don't want to be called a name, but they yeah, yeah. they want to be called their name and they want to be having those relationships. So they have someone that, that they call. So, I mean, we have, yeah. we have, we have families watching other kids, you know, um, you know, when their parents want to go out or if there's an illness mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're constantly delivering meals, but we're involved in the day to day of their lives. Mm. And once you experience that, and, and and that's and that's how thing. And I'm not saying we want to go back to you know the 50s. There was enough going on that we don't want to repeat in the 50s. Yeah. But yeah. But you still you know you miss that neighborhood atmosphere. You miss that community yeah. yep. when when you can go outside and you can have those conversations and kids mm. can play and. Uh, but ministry takes place in in those you know in those opportunities, and yes. people need to people need to know who they can call. I don't need to be yes the, the first person that I mean I am the first person a lot of times, but there are a lot of times I'm not the first person called. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a death in the church about a year ago, I, and and I thought I got out there quickly. And uh, I was like the third person to to get yeah. to the house. Which is, that's actually a sign of healthy ministry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's and, and I just think and I just think that's what, what people. Yeah. Want. I I don't um, I don't think you have to manufacture that within people. I don't I don't think yeah. you have to create. I think it's there and they want it. We're, we're mm-hmm. made. You know, we're created in the image of God. We're made to be relational. Yeah, and and people. Uh, People want that, so yeah. So if if you were going to talk to a church, talk to you know the officers of the church or even the church at large, uh, and if that church has never planted another church, uh, and and maybe even can think uh, geographically, financially, or people wise or whatever, may, maybe they're tempted to think, I don't know if we'll ever be able to do this. What would be your counsel to them of how to begin to start thinking about this? Obviously, this is not a next week thing. Uh, this is not even a this year thing. But this this would be like, hey, over the next five years to stoke this culture, where where would you tell a church to begin kind of dipping their toe in the water with that? Man, that's a great question. Um. Great question. I think I think it would start with um, trying to instill in folks that you know that uh, how do I say this? I think we have this tendency to take. Uh, we, we try to tell people to take ownership of things, mm. and, uh, I, I, but I think sometimes we can overdo that. Yeah. So <laughs> when they get to the point where it becomes too much, you know, ownership on their part, and so we've got yeah, to start good point. creating in them an idea that this is not your church, this is the Lord's yes. church. Yes. Yes. And good. his his goal has been to multiply that church, and so you know we need to hold these things loosely. Mm. Uh, we need to hold each other loosely, um, love each other while we can, but but then be willing to let go 
of those things. And so if you can start to develop that, then as you start talking about, so it's just like that whole idea it used to be with, I was a small group pastor for a while. And so the whole thing was, we, we need to be ready to, we, we're going to talk about positive. So we're going to talk about multiplying, not dividing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then to start that, you know, in, in speak of those things in the very beginning with those groups so that they know that eventually we want to see this group multiply. Mm. And here's why. And so, um, once I would, I would talk about the ownership thing, but then I would start talking about, you know, this is the goal. So this is, should have been our goal all along. Uh, we want to just communicate that this is our goal. And so we're going to keep doing that. So at every opportunity, you know, if that can become an application point and, and, you know, as, as there's opportunity to do that, to start creating that within their minds. Um, and then, um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I would start there. Uh, yeah, that's good. I I, yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that is, uh, I think that is great language because how quickly, whether it's, you know, uh, elders, deacons, the pastor, or just the congregation, we can begin to think this is my church when it's, yeah. nope, yeah. it's none of ours. We're, uh-huh. we're stewards and more willing if Christ doesn't come back, Lord willing, this church is still here and all of us are gone and there is, right. it's flooded Absolutely. in with new people. And right. yeah. Right. So, right. yeah, well, none of us are indispensable. Um, and so, I mean, we may be irreplaceable just because of, yeah. of who we are, but we're not indispensable. Somebody, somebody can come mm. in and fill our spot. Yeah. Um, but, but even our goal, you know, my goal is not, my goal is not for, for my name to be remembered. Yeah. You know, yeah. As a part mm-hmm. of this church, I, I, you know, Lord willing, this, the church will continue Christ church. Yeah. Bill, yeah. And it'll continue. And, uh, I'm not interested in having a plaque, you know, or, or a gold little thing on some offering plate or, or mm. whatever yeah. in my memory or anything like that. It's just, it's not my church. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think we've, we've, we, we understand that, you know, we're under shepherds and you know, the, the people aren't, I, I try real hard not to even talk about my people or my mm. elders or my, I, I just, yeah. I, I try to stay away from that kind of language because it's, they're the Lord's people. We've been entrusted. Yeah. Uh, that he's entrusted to us and we're to invest in them, work ourselves. Mm. Paul says, work ourselves to the point of exhaustion, mm. serving them, ministering to them. Uh, and I think it's just like in marriage, you know, if husbands are loving their wives as Christ loved the church, then there's really not an issue of what submission is because we see it from them because they act, they mm. respond, man. Yeah. They respond to who we are. Well, I think the same thing. If the, if the leaders yes. are doing their job and shepherding and working themselves to the point of exhaustion, then the people respond by making ministry a joy and we don't have to lord it over them or tell them that, Hey, you should obey your lead. We, we don't have to do that. Um, I mean, mm. you're always gonna ha- you're always gonna have people you gotta deal with. Sure. I mean, sure. Because we're we're sinners, and but for the most part, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna focus on on my role and what I'm to do, and and other people tend to focus on their roles and do what they tend to do. I don't have to make them or. Yeah. I'll tell you what, but that, I, I'm hard. a simple guy. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a, no, I'm no, that a, was so I'm good. A, that that is hard to top right there, man. That might be, that's like the perfect uh, segue into into closing. That okay. that is spot on. Yes, yeah. Well, Chris, this is uh, it. It, it got me uh, pretty pretty excited about. I mean, I, I was even taking notes about just how to pray for our own church and where the Lord could have us, you know, serve, you know, further out in our region of Oklahoma. And so, I mean, it gets me excited. So, uh, man, thanks for coming on here and sure. And we'll, we'll and, obviously, we love y'all's church. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. One more, one more thing, uh, keeping church planting is by praying other for other church plants. So yeah. Oh, that's a good one. We've, we've been praying for, you know, we pray for Grove, but we've been praying for Dustin up in Springfield. Shout out. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to, to keep uh, the church abreast of, of where the plants are and how we can pray for them. You know, we play, prayed for Grove when it was starting. We prayed for Hope when they were yeah, yeah. getting going. Um, and so if we can do that as well. Uh, that's I a think great that's a point. Of, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the Gospel Gazing Podcast. And uh, I, I am sure uh, our people will be hearing from you in the future, whether on here or 
we'll, we'll we'll still get you to come over uh even even when you're not done visiting stillwater um <laughs> no, that's for no. Sure, man yeah no we'll be we'll be over that way for sure <laughs> yeah awesome hey man thanks pre- for appreciate you yeah man it was great